Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 112. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and award-winning <laughs> comic creator, Xander Cannon. Xander, thanks for Hi. joining us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, because you award-winning, yes, because you got for get an Eisner Award for yep, um, some and, well top yeah top ten won some Eisner Awards, um, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I uh, heck won a a um, Stumptown Award, you know, right? You accumulate them along the way, you know, it's right, and then it's <laughs> stick and around then long enough, stick around long enough, and and it'll be uh, in two years you'll be celebrating thirty years of. Of uh, being in that, being in the, wow. in the field too. Yeah, like just a, like a knife to the heart. It, it hits you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Th yeah, you're right. Thirty years because yeah, I started in '93. You started so, in '93. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, my people in my studio. Uh, well, I we were talking about uh, Chrome covers, and so I showed them the the Chrome cover of Chainsaw Vigilante, the first comic that I did. Um, and yeah, it was from 1993. I was I was a couple months short of my uh, 21st birthday when that came and, out. And that was that was through New England Comics, correct? Uh, uh huh. New England Comics, yeah. 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 So like it was it was the maybe the third spinoff of the Tick. Okay. Uh, after Paul the Samurai and the Man Eating Cow. Right. Right. So that's right. <laughs> and that was your first. And that was your, you were talking about back in '93 is when they were given. Every young artist, they didn't know who was going to be the next. The, the that next was a yeah. Artist. That was an accepted uh, like strategy or risk, you know, to say like, oh, this person, you know, this guy's hot stuff or whatever, and like, he's young anyway, so let's give him a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and you get so because you, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll jump in on just you know asking for some like you know tips and advice for upcoming artists and stuff and writers and uh, in a little bit, but you went from. Because you did that, and then you came out with um, Beck was in '97 or '98. You did Replacement God. That was your first solo series, correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that was that was when I just I was kind of like, oh, this is it's hard to sort of like do what people want you to do. So I just kind of, you know, if you were, you know, if you wanted to work with a small, you know, a really small press that was doing black and white comics, it's like you could kind of do in a way what you want, you know within reason you could do what you wanted and right. i felt like that was that was uh for for a writer artist that was a, sort of a good move at the time right yeah and then you and you you took a break for a little bit where you moved overseas for a bit were you still drawing when you were in when you went to japan yeah so by by the time we left for japan i'd sort of i started working on top 10 and we'd run we'd done the whole uh 12 issues of top 10 and then I was starting on smacks. And so I lived overseas while I was doing smacks. Okay. Um, and so I think I might've finished when I was over there. Oh, four is when I was, when we came back. So, okay. so yeah, I was working, I was working on that overseas and, and that, and we were sending the pages physically back and forth. Like it, it's like now it seems like that wouldn't really, you know, it wouldn't really sort of, uh, you know, interrupt things too much, but, but, uh, but then it sure did, you know, like 
having to use Airborne Express or FedEx or whatever it was overseas. <laughs> so, I mean, because of your, your your career so far, you've seen a lot of changes happening. What are some of the things that you've seen that that that's kind of popped up for you that you that have made your your artwork incredibly easier? Well, I mean, digital tr like tr being able to transmit things digitally. Right. is incredible because it's just like, oh, it's due at five. Okay, four forty-five. Let's start the upload. <laughs> you know, like I've got fast internet. We can do it. But um, whereas, I mean, I just remember running, running to make the make make the deadline at uh, like the airborne when uh, DC Comics was using Airborne Express instead of uh, FedEx. Right. I had to run to the basement of this building in the, in the parking garage and like you know, and I was I was always like I had all this you know I'd been up all night and I was exhausted and. Right. Anyway, yeah, um, but but also like I mean I feel like changing to digital artwork really I mean it's a huge change for me and it was a really and you know a lot of people are reluctant to do it because they have such a good aftermarket on their on their originals and that's right. never really been a big thing for me I mean you know here and there but you know I I, don't, I know I'm oh, Spider Man and so like that doesn't really make a big difference. So the changing to digital stuff where you could, you know, you draw something and oh, it's not exact, it's good, but it's, you know, an inch to the right, you can move it and you can start introducing color earlier on and, and you can do things and like separate, you know, you can do sort of mechanical separations, what would be mechanical separations in a really easy way. And right. That just changed everything for me to be able to be, do the art start to finish without having to sort of kind of mathematically pre-plan things and so you so that was easy for you as, as you mentioned is like you know some some uh folks that have been that have been working for years have kind of stuck in their own way saying i'm gonna i'm gonna ink it out i'm gonna draw it out on paper and then they're still doing it uh analog versions i guess yeah did you have some of those hesitations when you first started trying to dabble into digital never Never in the in terms of the uh, the money or whatever, but it, you know it's like I think every young artist has sort of like a purist stage where they're like, <laughs> is it really art if you don't have ink this brand of ink on this brand of paper? And it's like, yeah, of course it is. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> and it's so funny that it's always sort of that. I, I felt like when I was I was really young when I was this sort of this pure, you know, like it has to be this way, right. and now it's like as I've gotten older i'm like oh yeah whatever it, it takes you know i mean i think that there's things i get you know fussy and you know want to want to keep exactly right but I, I feel like it's an important thing to really realize what the important things is what what's important about it is not so much the the materials as it is the outcome you know how, it, how does it look in the end you can if you can mimic a line digitally that you can do you know that you really liked in analog uh, you know, comic art, then great, you did it, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> and what do you and what do you use? Do you use uh, Procreate? Do you use is it the Photoshop, Illustrator, or like you it's, mentioned the Cintiq earlier that you use? Cintiq yeah, Twitter. yeah. So I use I use a photo. I use Photoshop and InDesign to sort of like okay. keep everything sort of uh, put together. Because mm. and not this isn't for like because I think it's the best. It's because I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. And, and I don't feel, you know, and, and I was in the middle of a, you know, I've been in the same 
you know, been doing the same series for six years digitally. And so it's like, I don't want to change horses midstream, you know, in a couple months when I finish, it's a different story. So, um, but like, but I, but I also then switched to using, um, uh, Hood Studio Pro. I mean, I, I think I still even use Manga Studio 5, <laughs> but like, <laughs> be, because it, it deals better with, um, pressure sensitivity and it just brush strokes are better. And so I did that for, for inking, for inking and lettering. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've made a lot, I made a lot of little tiny corrections and, and, uh, you know, um, changes over the years, but, but small ones, you know, because I was, I was trying to stay consistent. Right. And so you're, so yeah, you're talking about what you mentioned, your, your ongoing series, Kaiju Max, which you started in 2015 and you have it set up as, you have it set up as seasons. So every year yeah. it seems like you have a, yeah, we call it a, a new season to that. And, and right now you just get, um, season five came out in 2019. Is what yeah, and do you, and, uh, so tell tell people about Kaiju Max. That's like your that that's, well, a, that's a fun project, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it was kind of on the tail end of like uh, people doing like mashup stuff where it's like, oh, it's Dracula versus uh, you yeah. know a hammerhead shark or whatever. And so I I kind of I don't know if I was chasing trends or anything, but I I just sort of I wanted to do a monster comic book. But I didn't have a hook for it. I wanted to just sort of say, well, what do they do when they're not monstering? You know, they're not rampaging or whatever. And so, um, and so I said, well, um, maybe they have a bar or, oh, okay, how about a prison? So I settled on like a prison. And then instead of having it be, I don't know, instead of having it sort of be like the same guys with the good guys, like the superheroes, the Ultraman superheroes, capture them, put them in prison, it's more like, these monsters are just minding their own business and they get stuck <laughs> in prison. And then they, of course they form gangs and they deal drugs and they, you know, and everything is giant size and they have a, a weight room and they're bench pressing, you know, container ships or they're uh, snorting uranium or, you know, like because <laughs> everything has a dumb little joke that you can do. Right. And so right. then I, I, I thought that would be kind of fun and, you know, and it, and it has been fun. Like I, th I think that there's been a lot of, there's been, like all along you can do this plus this equals haha this funny joke but then you can also play it straight um and have sad you know sad or bittersweet or tragic stories uh happen along the line along the way and um you know and i've, exp I've extended the um the framing to not just be about kaiju you know japanese kaiju but like also american cryptids or you know worldwide cryptids um, older stuff like um, Gigantor or newer stuff like Pokemon or, um, you know, and then, of course, I try to work in stuff about Evangelion and, uh, you know, whatever, Gundam and uh, all kinds of things like that. I think that there's a re a, an extended reference on um, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, like everything. The nice thing is that everything is kind of within range you know that, that uh, everything's sort of fair game right and so 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 talk to us about is this an idea that you were as you kind of said you're sitting on this for a while was this kind of like a, a wish project for yours that you're able to finally do it was because it's so high concept and because it's so sort of like precise in its concept it was actually something that i intended to do as sort of a side 
project because I thought, okay. oh well, the roadmap's written, you know, like I could just I could just script this and not have right. to, and then I could work on other things. Right. Um, and so, but you know, when you're doing stuff that's small press, there's just never enough money. And so, like uh, Ryan Brown and I were going to work on this together. He does he does got his, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, got his astronauts and uh, curse words and bunch of bunch of other stuff. But it was just like there wasn't going to be enough money total. So uh, so he moved on, you know, and he had a Kickstarter and all this sort of stuff. So he moved on to bigger and better things. And so I, they asked me if I wanted to draw it. And initially I was like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> so much work. I mean, really, it just because it's like it's a, you know, because when you, once you start to write it and draw it and stuff like that, you, you end up feeling like I'm going to be doing all this work. But then we also have to pay like a letterer and a colorist. And there's just not going to be any money you know, right. at all. So I thought, well, if I letter it and color it, <laughs> then, uh, then uh, yeah, maybe maybe we can make this work. And that's what I ended up doing. And I mean, it's it's an absurd, it's an absurd amount of work. But I also think, well, because I'm doing everything, and I and I worked with Jason Fisher, who's the, who's the color assistant, like, you can kind of trim things and, and make it a little bit easier and, uh, and save a little bit of time. And, uh, so anyway, I mean, it's just barely, we barely made it work by the skin of our teeth for six years. <laughs> <laughs> so is this a full-fledged storyline? Is, is there a season six or is this? There's a season six and that's the last season and that's going to complete it up and it's going to complete the whole story. And that's as long as it's ever been, you know, okay. it's, it's as long as it's planned to be as uh, from the very beginning. Because we were like, well, six seasons mean that we can collect it into three hardcovers. <laughs> And so, I mean, it was, there was a, I mean, there, there, there were those considerations and it's nice to have those early on because you can always, you know, kind of fudge the edges of your creative idea to make a, for a marketing thing if you need to, especially if you right. know right away. Um, oh. but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with how, with how it's worked out and, you know, just things, storyline ideas kind of fell in my lap. And, and I think that that, I think it's going to work out really, really nicely. Uh, hey, right here, it's like, yeah, season six. Yeah. 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 I'm working on the second to last issue right now. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've never worked on anything this long. I can't <laughs> like, ask. Anything. Not just comics, but anything at all. <laughs> it, yeah. That's what I was going to, that's what I was going to, um, that was going to be my question is like, did you, because you wrote this and everything, did you are as you say, it's you. You already kind of had it planned out that it was going to be six. Was there anything ideas as a as a writer for it as well? Was there any surprises that the characters oh, yeah. were doing that you were like, I guess this is where we're going. Like, <laughs> yeah, every, every time. Well, one of the, one of the things that would happen is that I would like the design of a character, like uh, just a background character who's like, oh, I'm going to kind of base him on this. Ultimate monster, but then I would like my design. It's like keep bringing the character back, you know, because I just like drawing them. Uh, the other thing that would happen is that you know it would kind of, I would kind of have somebody go out on a sour note and go, oh, but what's this now? What's that character experiencing? And so there was a lot of sort of like a little bit of empathy where I'd be like, oh, I like that, I like that character, or or I'm interested in what they're doing, and so I bring them back and and sort of you know, maybe something that was going to be a new character, I could, I would just have it be a, an existing character. I mean, and then there was all, always things that were like, um, 
you know, I might have had a, a, a storyline of a character map for one character mapped out, but I needed to sort of like create a, another storyline that was going to wrap its way into it. And so some some things that I'm doing have been planned since the very beginning, and then some things I figure out on the day, you know, because it's like ah, I need you know I need something that sort of goes along with this theme. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it can be it can be stuff yeah long and long in the works or on you know that moment right so have what have you because you as you say you've never worked on something this long is was there anything that you you learned from this experience of putting this together of like like that the storytelling aspects or the uh um or just the the the, the production aspects of this <laughs> well certainly um i learned of it i mean i, I knew how to color right but I learned how to color, like, I feel like the, I could color really well if you gave me a lot of time before, but if you didn't give me very much time, I would kind of give you a pretty basic uh, color job. But it, I, I got to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I can I can sort of create, I can color at sort of a, what I consider to be sort of an A, you know, A minus level, say, um, consistently, rather than, you know, then A plus one time, and then, you know, mostly C, C plus. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I think that that, that really happened. I, I mean, my lettering got a lot more consistent and a lot more, uh, a lot neater and uh, less, kind of less idiosyncratic, but better, you know, overall. Um, you know, my, my inking became a little bit more, uh, you know, just more polished. Uh, it became, I, I felt like it got a better sense of, the depth and so, so forth. I mean, everything got a little bit better. And then my writing, I think, you know, because because early on in any story, but especially in a kind of a, oh, this, you know, X plus Y type of story like that, you start off with a lot of ideas and you can kind of, and it's really like narrowing down what you're going to do. But then over the course of time, when you kind of have started to use all those sort of obvious ideas, <laughs> I got... I realized, oh yeah, I had to get a little bit better in sort of mining details out of, you know, in, in ways that I hadn't done before, you know, like finding what was left in this, in this sort of goofy <laughs> sketch comedy idea that I've created. <laughs> so how, how much of it was your, you're kind of like sticking to like the, as you said, kind of like your outline and storyline and how much of it was, um, feedback from your readers? who would say, Hey, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? Um, I, I mean, I, I took a little bit of, I, there's a little bit of each, but I mean, a lot of it was, uh, I mean, it's really kind of amazing because if you watch a silly old like seventies monster movie and you are thinking about like, what would be the silliest thing to make a, like a sort of gruesome or sad, like crime story out of, like I just, I would watch like two movies and I'd, I'd have like fifty ideas, you know. And I mean that I would never, I might never get to, and mm. probably won't get to at this point. But like, um, yeah, the, a lot of it. I mean, I would people would say like, oh, don't forget about this movie, and I would watch <laughs> that movie and go, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, that is a good idea. Um, but uh, but I mean, you know, obviously people people are kind of a little bit leery of taking ideas directly, you know ideas from people right. just because you don't want to you don't want to sort of feel like you're stealing ideas right and right. uh yeah 
but mainly it's just like yeah, I just watch I just want to watch monster movies with that sort of filter in my head, and I go, oh yeah, like that funny thing that would be really gruesome if you did it this way. <laughs> <laughs> and and so have you? So you know you know doing the doing getting Kaiju Max down and you know kind of seeing that as you said you work on the second to last as you said second to last yeah issue? second to last. Uh, have you, t- as you said, have you taken some of these ideas and, and some of these the writing styles and techniques um, to kind of go back and work on some of your some of your other titles at all? Um, well, like like replacement God or or things like that, or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, well, there's, I mean, the replacement God has been a huge box a huge empty box on my to-do list for you know what's it been 25 years almost um and so yeah i mean i've been thinking about that and i've been and and you know i'm thinking about like okay well that what would that look like if color did and what would that look like if you know i tried to sort of replicate that that art style you know say working digitally rather than uh rather than on paper um and yeah i mean it, it would be really interesting i mean part of me though really likes to think about like I want to do something that is conceived in the 2020s, not the 90s. I mean, I I feel like, you know, I go back to certain things and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a very 90s idea, (laughs) you know, in that like it's a it's kind of a response to the 70s and 80s as opposed to, you know, I think I think now it's like, we well, I I wrote a whole essay on it in the back of Kajimax, but it's like we've we've been shown a whole new uh, sort of template for uh, for evil yeah. <laughs> in the last, you know, decade that, you know, it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, the same way that like, uh, you know, the same way that the that, that comics in the 60s, 50s and 60s had sort of the wars of that era, those eras to sort of draw from. It's like we have a whole new sort of set of, you know, sort of a whole new ethical map to sort of draw from. And I think that kind of stuff is is really fun. I don't. I don't want to do throwbacks so much anymore. Right. Um, it's possible. Right, because it's because it's, it's like the you're the not only just like your the professional evolution um, that you've experienced, but also just kind of like the philosophical evolution. It's like the things that were important to you and the stories you wanted to tell twenty five years ago aren't quite the same stories that you know you want to kind of tell now. Is that yeah? Right? And and I think you you know a lot of times, you know, you're, you're kind of hemmed in into the ideas that you're going to do because it's like, you know, a, a DC editor says, like, well, we need a story for, uh, you know, Blue Beetle or whatever. And, you know, you aren't necessarily thinking, like, how will I bring Blue Beetle into the into the modern day? You just are like, well, let's come up with a villain. And they've got a, you know, they've got a dozen of them and let's come up with a scenario. And you just kind of write a, a by the numbers. I mean, if for work for hire, the smartest thing to do is come up with a by the numbers story and like right. just knock it, you know, do the best you can with it. As opposed to sort of saying like, what do I want to say about the world as right. it exists today? Yeah. yeah. And so what would you need your, you know, because of that, the, you know, that you get, you got started and you got started in the, in the nineties you're hitting off and it, it's a completely different world right now as compared to if someone's getting out of art school right, right now in the, in the, you know, this time. So let, let me ask you the question is that would you, 
would you recommend someone who wants to go into uh, creating comics? Would you recommend that they go to art school as well? Did you think they're, they're, the value that they the value is still there? Um, the value is absolutely there if you can afford yeah. it. But I also think if you're going to be taking out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans, <laughs> I just think I, I don't know that comics is going to be your best route to getting that back. You know what I mean? Like, and I think you know, and that's. And that's really unfortunate. But I also just think, well, nobody at a nobody at any comic book publisher is checking your, you know, your transcripts. You know, like they don't care if you went to, they don't care if you took, you know, community ed classes. You know, I mean, they don't care if you went to it. And and I think, you know, there's a lot to be learned by taking class after class after class. But I also think you could take two classes and then just draw for. 10,000 hours and you're going to probably be in around the same spot. You know, I mean, I, th that might be my bias coming through from the nineties where there were no comic book, you know, art school was going to teach you how to sculpt and, and paint and stuff. They weren't going to teach you how to draw with pen and ink, except in so far as, you know, life drawing and pen and ink. But I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of felt like no matter what art classes I took, I was really just reading comics and reverse engineering them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I think that that's, and I, in a way, I think that's the best way to go about it because you're going to be more observant in, to what you really want it to do rather than sort of saying, like, I must start with art, with, with life drawing and work my way into making comics. Right. You know, I feel like start with the word balloons yeah. <laughs> and work your way backwards. And did you see, and, and how would it, uh, and how, how would it be too, is that would you, you know, with that, in, in, that, in that specific direction is uh, one of the pieces that, you know, we, I, you know, we hear a lot is you need maybe some finance classes as well. Learning the business of, of being an artist is, would you, yeah. would you weigh in on any importance on that as well? I mean, I think that we should know that, but I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know what, what a finance class would, would teach you other than, you know, I would think that a, a, a video on how to do a successful Kickstarter would be just as, would be just as useful. I mean, you know, right. um, yeah. And I mean, I would, I, I wish I had more of a, more savvy in that department, right. you know, yeah. but I, I, to me, it was always just sort of like people overhead, you know, <laughs> work hard, find places that will, you know, will appreciate what you do. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and what's and what and what what would be like your 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 advice to to like when it comes to, um, um, you know when it comes to either like either finding a publisher or self publishing what would, because you you kind of had some some sex some success in both in a way. Well, yeah, and I think I think the main thing is finding out what you do naturally, like and what, where the center of your style is, because, you know, I think that when I had kind of a, kind of a semi sort of, uh, sort of adventure story style, but it, it was, you know, kind of drifted into cartooniness. And I think that because I could kind of do a, a, an adventure style, I kept trying to get work at, at DC, but I just, they, Every time I was getting a job, it was kind of as an exception, you know, like, oh, well, maybe it'll work for a little while, maybe, you know, but it just right. was, they just didn't want what I had. And I think that, that I could have saved myself a lot of grief by being a little bit more honest with myself, where it's like, 
this is this is what I do, and this is where I ought to sort of pursue stuff. And and the and in the '90s, it was a different market. I mean, being too cartoony was kind of a kiss of death in terms of like work for hire and uh, stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, you know, maybe you could do just all those cartoony stuff that mainstream books kind of lasted for a year or so, you know. And right. now you could do Adventure Time licensed comics for until the end of time, or you know, every uh, fifty other you know uh, licensed cartoon cartoony style comic. Comic books, but um, I think that you know people really knowing what they offer, you know. And I felt like I, I, you know, when I realized that I wasn't just like a good penciler, like I wasn't, I, I wasn't really going to be a good penciler that I can knock stuff out every month, year after year. I just wasn't going to like it. I wasn't going to enjoy it. But if you let me write and draw, I could create something that maybe only I could create. And I think that that. that Knowing where you stand in that kind of continuum, I think, is a, is a really helpful thing for people to know. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of know where to seek out mm -hmm. publishers or patrons or whatever. Right. But you, but, you, but you bring up a good point, as you saw and you said earlier about the, there's that, that magic 10,000 hour thing. Once you do something for 10,000 hours, that's you're, you're basically you're, you're going to be good at it. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's or, or you'll know whether you hate doing it. <laughs> you you write and you and 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 you and you draw. So I wanted to ask you: Is that have do you prefer drawing your own stories, or do you? Has there been a story that someone's hey, can you draw this for me? That you just kind of like that you that you're happy you grabbed a hold of. Um, I mean, I if I'm going to just do one thing, I I'd rather draw than okay. write. Uh, I mean, I think that it's it, it makes more sense to write because it takes less time, supposedly. I mean, it right. doesn't for me, but <laughs> supposedly it does. But I I really enjoy the process of drawing a lot more. In fact, one of the things that I did that absolutely baffled a lot of my friends was that for years I just I was sort of I was working on. Uh, other others i was working on uh, you know um creator own stuff that wasn't really making me any money so i was a uh, i did layouts for dc and uh and so like if they would have an artist that was a little bit slow or maybe was new or you know or something like that or they wanted to keep a consistent sort of storytelling style across a you know across a, a series um and so i did layouts for other artists and people were like, why would you want to do that? It's it's kind of below the line. It's kind of it's not really you're not really getting a lot of credit, and it's like oh, it's so much fun and it's such good practice. And right. frankly, they I would run into no resistance. I'd turn in these labs and be like, great, good, you see you next week, you know. And <laughs> instead of saying like, oh, geez, you know, your hands look like little bananas instead of real hands, and oh, this guy's eyes are googly or whatever. I never got any of that. It was just sort of like, yeah, this is great sort of conventional storytelling that somebody will be able to follow perfectly. And great. Okay, good. I'm now I'm going to go. It's the weekend, so I'm never going to think about it until Monday morning. Right. You know. And uh, I don't know. What, I don't know what conclusion to draw from that. But I that was that was the thing that I really liked to do. I liked that sort of like the sort of pure comics. You know, between the writing and the right, right. So would you so say say something? Would anybody ever say, "Hey, listen, can I take? 
I mean, I get. Well, okay. What's my question? Mate? Is how territorial are you of the worlds you've created? For instance, would the, if somebody came to you and say, "Hey, could I do a sequel to Replacement of God?" or or I like the world you created in Heck. Can I do something like that? Or can you write a script for me and I'll draw? Or how are you with that ideas? Um, <laughs> well, that's a funny thing. I've never had to think about it because no one has. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I think I, I, I'd like I'd like to be sort of cool and calm. And, oh yeah, absolutely, no problem. But I probably would be a little bit territorial about it. I mean, you know, just because because it's Especially something like, uh, I mean, those are the three examples that you gave, Kaiju Max, uh, The Replacement God, and Hacker also are all very personal to me. And, and you know, and they have um, characters that I really sort of associate with myself or with people that I know. And, and so I, yeah, I probably would be a little bit, I probably would sort of feel like, um, oh, this is, this is my thing. I don't really want to. I don't really want to adapt it, but if somebody wanted to, you know, write me an enormous check to make a TV show out of it, I mean, that's a, that's a whole different story. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm curious too, is like you're, it's cause you're right where it's like your, your style of writing fits your style of art as well. Uh, and so how, how does your process go? Because when I was, you know, reading, I both have here, you know, just in the background, I got, I got hack and I got replacement God here reading those things. I was just like, there's some, some ideas that popped in. I'm like, that's just ingenious. Like I've never seen something like that before. Like the idea inside hack, which, which I, that I, that I loved a lot was the ideas that you had to, you know, send messages i'm not giving away anything i mean the book's been out for almost 10 years so right and um, it all happens in like the second chapter anyway yeah exactly it's like the idea where you, you send messages is going through the layers of hell and the only way the person can hear them is when they're experiencing that that uh that sin basically yeah. and that time like how where did that idea that was that was pretty I, cool you know the funny thing was I, I don't know because I was I was drawing that I was writing and drawing that book, and I mean you can tell in the early chapters it's really rough. I was doing it like an hour a page, and so the I was 144, just yeah the one forty four yeah the one forty four graphic novels. And so up yeah. to maybe page fifty or sixty that you know it's like those are like hour a page and they look it, um, yeah. but like the, I think that there's I was just sort of like I was writing that sort of standard like you know pi talking to the client in his office and he's just kind of laying it out like here's the deal and i wanted you know and so i was kind of thinking about those voices you know the the voice of the character just sort of just sort of casually laying out all this black magic or whatever that he's going to use and and just the idea of it i don't know it just it just just came to me i don't know it, it was it was there was something to be said for sort of like i'm just writing dialogue between these people and how whatever comes out is what comes out right yeah i mean the nice thing about all of these books writing and drawing is that you don't really have to justify a i mean you don't have to you don't even have to justify it to the artist to sort of say like here's an idea i had i don't know how this works it's like you just go oh there's an idea oh i just drew it oh the, <laughs> the drawing made me think of this idea to write so i'm writing this and then oh the drawing made me think of you know and so I like that tight feedback loop where you can right. just kind of say like whatever hits the paper is what 
is what uh, is what happens. And, and in the case of Heck, um, it's a totally different story than what I was really intending it to be. I was intending it to be much more lighthearted. I was intending it to be uh, uh, a lot sort of more um, pulpy kind of. Well, and, and a little bit more, like, a little bit more wide-ranging about, like, uh, afterlives, maybe, like, not just the the Catholics or Dante's Inferno, um, but but because of the way that I was, you know, sort of drawn, like, when I got to the end of what I sort of considered the first act, I was like, oh, that's what this book is now. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to introduce any more characters. It's going to be a pretty, pretty sort of bleak or, and stark you know, story as a, and I thought it was, I had thought initially that it was going to be a lot more, a lot more detailed, a lot more, you know, right. more stuff happening. And so I liked the idea that like, it, I was collaborating with myself in a way, you know, right. that I was, I was seeing what hit the paper, you know, oh, I can't really draw as much detail. So I guess I'm going to put the black backgrounds pretty black, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. I mean, the, the character development on that was just fascinating. Of just uh, in its in the surprise ending. I'm not gonna say this right, but people gotta gotta read the book because there's a there, there's a um, quite the surprise ending on there. It was like, wow, that was that was uh, that, that that was pretty good. And it, it is. It was. You're like you're experiencing the story, and you're you're kind of discovering it with the protagonist, which mm -hmm. um, made it even more interesting yeah and i think i think you know it's a pretty it meanders quite a bit i mean it's a 300 page book almost and it's right. and i think part of me is like oh i could tighten that up a little bit but i also think i kind of like that you know it gets to the place that you know like i, I feel like it gets to the place that you want it to get to <coughs> excuse me yeah. um but and and you're not sort of like because the drawings are so simple that like you don't sort of feel like oh my gosh this guy sort of wasted all this time drawing all these store you know all, all these panels to you know to stretch out the story right. um you know i think that when you have like minimal backgrounds you can kind of you can kind of extend it, play with the pacing a little bit without sort of feeling like oh my gosh i gotta draw this you know this forest 50 times right so Doing this, doing this, uh, you know, this career, following it for thirty years. I get. So, where do you see comics going in the next twenty or thirty years? Right now. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the people have been talking about the the end of like comic book stores for how long has it been? Forty plus years. I mean, so I kind, I kind of can't possibly imagine that there will will ever be sort of a meaningful shift away from that. Although, you know, there are, you know, there are lots of small towns that used to have five bookstores that have zero, you know, right. and there are lots of, uh, you know, comic book stores in, in, you know, sort of expensive cities that are really struggling unless they sell, you know, board games and video games and movies or whatever. I mean, even selling movies is sort of, you know, it's right. not exactly a moneymaker these days. Um, and so I I think, I mean, the, the art form of comics is, is going great places. Like, I think that just, just the changes in the last 15 years in terms of, like, who's making comics, who's, who comics are about, uh, where it's being sold, uh, who, you know, how, how people think of it as a, you know, is it 
it's not as niche anymore. You know, like you do something in Iron Man comics and, you know, that's people are paying attention to that, you know, because they love Iron Man from the movies and from whatever. And so I think, I mean, I, I think that comics are really, really exciting. And I think that now that we've sort of said, oh, the future isn't one thing, you know, the future isn't digital comics, the future isn't print comics, the future is digital and print comics and, you know, a couple other kinds of comics that we haven't even thought about yet. And I think that that's exciting. And I think that that's, that's fun. And, and that it's a way of experiencing a story that's very sort of personal and, and singular. You know, it's not like a TV show that you can watch with a bunch of people. And it's not like, a, you know, it's not like a, a book that you can read out loud. It's, it's something that you experience very, very personally. And whether you experience that on an iPad or whether you experience it on paper, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just that it's just a sort of a, a style of absorbing for it. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited that that's found its place, you know, that it's, it's broken away from genres. It doesn't mean superheroes. It doesn't mean, you know, action adventure. It doesn't mean boys adventure anymore. I mean, it, it's, it means a thousand things. And do, do you feel that you, you kind of were a part of that uh, transition with, with your books? Cause you were, you, cause you wrote books that weren't about superheroes. Or like you had some of your, your, your more well-known ones. Do you think you kind of had a hand in that in taking the, the the cultural expectations of what comic books are? I mean, I'd be delighted if that were, if that were true. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I, I would I would love it. I, I never, I mean, I never think of anything that I do as sort of like sort of breaking that that sort of uh, membrane in, of into the uh, mainstream. So yeah, I mean, if if that's true, I'd be overjoyed. I, uh, you know, I think that there's always, you know. People will come up to me at conventions and be like, oh my gosh, I love this comic. I read it when I was in middle school and I crumbled to dust. And then I, you know, I resurrect myself and say, that's great. <laughs> but, uh, but like, I think that there's always somebody, you know, there's always going to be people who are, who really love it. And they may not tell you that year or in the next 10 years, but it's really nice to see that, you know, that people, you know, people will come up to me, you know, have come up to me every year that they just they just read heck in college or whatever and and it's it's always you know that they, they always have a look in their eye like and it really messed me up <laughs> you know, or, I, or, or i read it at a time when i was really sad and it really sort of like embodied that era and i was like okay you know like that's that's that means a lot to me because it's like that's how i felt when i was writing it too so um yeah i mean yeah, Lord knows. I wish I, I. I certainly hope that 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 I had something to do with it. <laughs> and, and do you see words? Uh, and also the fact now, comics are so accessible. Anybody can make anybody can make their own comic, either like a web comic or, or anything like that. Um, what would be your advice for for some of those folks who to kind of like break out of the noise of literally thousands of comics that are coming out every day? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that it, it all kind of depends on where, what, what you're already doing. Cause I think that some people have like, they have a, a really, uh, you know, they're in unique style. They have, a, they have a different kind of voice that, you know, it's, it's some, that really puts them outside of the pack, but then maybe they need to sort of think if, if they're already really divergent from the norm, they need to think about like, well, what, what can I do to sort of like make that palatable to more people? And I don't, I don't mean like dumb it down. You know, I don't mean like 
make it more conventional. But I also think sometimes something that's a that's a crazy style and a, and a cool new you know voice needs because then because I feel like when you have something old, something new, and something old, you know, something new, the the, the look of it, something old, the packaging. Right. I think that people are really excited about that, you know, like a convent, a very conventional mystery story, but that's drawn all weird, <laughs> you know, or a really, you know, or something that's drawn in a very conventional way, but has a really like intricately structured story. You know what I mean? It's, I, I feel like um, sometimes you need to sort of hem things in, you know, like I, I think about um, uh, Acme Novelty Library, you know, he, he told these stories, completely normal stories about people doing normal stuff, but packaged in it, like structured in such a way that it was like all weird. Whereas if you're going to tell a story about like a robot uprising on Jupiter's moons, you're going to want to tell it in a pretty conventional style. You know, it, Kaiju Max is the same way where it's like everything that happens in Kaiju Max is completely weird. So I made sure to tell the story in like the most conventional storytelling you possibly have. You know, it's five panels on a page, you know, these sort of aggressively neutral compositions. Yeah, that's really what you're seeing, a, you know, a, a monster leaning on the a mountain, drinking a, you know, a, a truck full of coffee or whatever. It is. <laughs> but like, you know, I think that sometimes it's like, yeah, you have something weird, make it structure it in a normal way. You have something normal, structure it in a weird way. I'm just imagining like a truck full of coffee. Like a, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, when you got to get coffee across town, what, how, what else are you going to use? Yeah, exactly. It's not they brew it themselves. It's a truck full of coffee that shows up a tanker full. Of yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's 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 next for you, Xander? Uh well, uh, you know, I I don't really I don't really know. Part I have, I have a couple other projects that I could start on. You know, there's a lot of projects that I've thought of to the point that I could start them the day after I finished the Kaiju Max. But I'll be perfectly honest, I would love to just draw something that somebody else wrote for just <laughs> for like six months. As like, I don't know, is there like a Rick and Morty comic that I could draw or is there like a, you know, whatever. Like, I'm so, like, I would love to just sort of do something, <laughs> do something yeah. easy for a little while. Not that that's easy, but like it's something that I don't have to think of every aspect of. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I uh, I'm uh, you know I've got a I was brainstorming about a video game. I've got some sort of, uh, sort of card game projects that I've been thinking about. That all these stuff that are outside comics that are just kind of um, fun fun little side projects that I haven't been able to really fit in. I think that right. really it'd be fun to have to to really sit down and work on those for a while, but. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Xander, where can people, if they want to, uh, would uh, would Big Time Attic is that your central location? <laughs> Big Time Attic was a, was like a you know a studio that we did a while ago. I actually, I mean, my the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. Um, okay. I also there's kaijumax.com is a is sort of a is a, a very infrequently updated website and. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, if people want to, if people want to find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram are probably the best place. Okay, yeah. all right, perfect, great. Well, th thank thank you very much, Xander. Oh, this thanks has been so fantastic. much for chatting yeah. with me. It's really fun. Yeah, really fun. And I'm really, I'm 
when you told me about reading heck, I really, you know, again, it's like I said, people are always coming up and telling me like the specific circumstances under which they read heck. And it's like, that really, it really just fills my bucket every time that when people yeah. said like, oh, it was at this particular moment in my life. Right. Great. I, I hope it didn't bum you out too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, I, I read, I read graphic novels all the time, but there was not, nothing that actually there, I don't know. I think there was something about the, you know, how, how personal the story was and, and how it just kind of, st- it, it's, it's one of those books where you just kind of like, well, I'll always remember. So yeah, that was a, it was a well-deserved award that you got on that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, that means a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. And, and next time, we, uh, when you have your, your next project, come back on. I, I Absolutely. I'd love to. to. I'd really love it. Thank you. Well, I went to college in Iowa at Grinnell okay. College, um, okay. and then I, uh, and then it was like people who left, you know, who didn't have a particular place to go. There's a lot of people who went to Minneapolis, Chicago, Iowa City, and you know, sort of Goldilocks thing, you know, where <laughs> like Chicago's so big and sort of intimidating, and Iowa City's still kind of a college town, and Minneapolis right. seemed like, you know, you don't have to like pay a fortune to have a tiny place. But right. you know, you're also sort of in a city, yeah. and you get the experience. Though you get you get you, you get the benefits of a big city, but you also get the experience the the really cold winters at the same time. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, all the pluses, right? You know? All the pluses. Yeah, you get big to have city, those cold winters. <laughs> cold winters. Oh yeah, you get oh just it's so good every time it starts. Yeah.